Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another show lined up for you today that is really, really good. Wouldn't I, you say, Tony? I do. I think that the these are, uh, we've got a list of things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about all these types of things that I think that come up all the time, and we constantly have to make a decision, hey, can I do that? Or can I not? <laughs> Do I need to call somebody? Do I need to hire somebody? Do I just need to get some advice? Can I watch a how-to video and 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 get through this? That's that's it. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of those DIY projects, DIY repairs, DIY creations, um, all of those types of things. Lots of them, and we're going to talk about whether or not it's something you can handle at home. Um, and maybe what the what's your total liability if you decide to dive into this project? What's your total liability, and will you come out of it ahead, or will you come out of it behind? I mean, ultimately, in the end, that's what that's what it ends up being, right? Well, I think probably the one thing you need to ask yourself is, what have I got to lose? I mean, what what really what could really happen? Yeah, but that's your liability, right? That's the most important thing. Uh, because if the, if the stakes aren't too high, then, uh, this is how we learn. This is how we grow and how we become better. And, and then how we, uh, this is how we leave our legacy, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times people are afraid to do things because like you said, they might be, uh, they might be afraid to, to make a mistake. Well, mistakes happen, but really what the, uh, what you want to, not do is make something like that's a dangerous mistake, right? That's probably the one thing that I'm <laughs> yeah. afraid of, you know, doing my own electrical, which is why I don't do it. Doing my own plumbing. I don't do my own plumbing because if you make a mistake, it might, you might not know it at first, but it could be a huge problem down the it road. It could be a catastrophe. A catastrophe, you know, like roofing. I've heard people say, oh, I, I, you can fix your own roof. We actually read something about that. Like, oh, you can replace your own roof jack. Yeah. And if you don't know what a roof jack is, it's one of those uh, rubber or neoprene, you know, boots that goes over the pipes that go through the roof of your house for your, like, your plumbing, your vents and vent stacks and all that go through the roof. And these little pipe jacks go over that to seal them from water getting in and... We read a thing on like how to replace one. And I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to risk a leak. A leak. To because, your, yeah, to your, you know, super expensive investment. Well, in, I've had it. You know, I, I've had roof leaks and they're not fun. And a lot of times you don't really know where they've come from unless you've done your own work on it. And then now you kind of know where you came from. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not in. For some things. Well, you know, I mean, I'm looking at one right now. Drywall repair. I mean, I guess it depends on how big the hole is. Yeah. Dry- or how big the damage is. Drywall repair is one of those things I feel anybody can do. Anybody can do. The problem, though, is, is can anybody do it to where it looks good? <laughs> but, again, 
you know, you've tackled sheetrock type projects before. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Honestly, they didn't turn out super great. Right. But ultimately, in the end, is it going Who, to hinder the resale value of my home? Right. Who's it hurting? Yeah. It's hurting nothing. Yeah. You you learned something. You did it. I don't do it because I don't like doing it. I don't like doing sheetrock. So you can't convince me to to do it because right. I, I just don't want to. Well, I mean, I didn't hate doing it. I just hated that I wasn't better at it. Yeah. I hated that it didn't turn out like a professional did it. Uh, and I've done it several times. Um, yeah. Done sheetrock repair here and there. And uh, most of the time, I'm just going to slap something on there and then paint over it and call it good. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. uh, you know, as long as it's not a hole. Uh, it's not drawing attention, but right, but um, but it certainly is something you can do. Sure, it's not going to change the world. It's not dangerous. The thing um, about sheetrock repair too is you can screw it up, but you can always fix it. You can just keep doing it. You yeah. can be fixing the same spot over and over <laughs> and over and over. Well, I mean, I mean I've I've I'm not going to say I've never had done sheetrock repair because I have, I've done little hot patches and little fixes here and there. And they are, they are easy. Anybody can really do them. It's, you know, it's just depends on your level of, you know, expectation, expectation. If you want it to look perfect, it's going to be, it's going to take some time, right. To get good at it and figure it out. But you know, if you're, if, if it's in the garage and you just need to patch a hole, because you smacked a basketball through it or something. Yeah, or if it's behind a door. Sure. Or, you know, in a closet. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to do it and not have it, you know, in the middle of the largest wall in the entry of your house. Right. You know? I mean, there are some places where you don't want it to be seen. Of course, you know, you can always hang a picture. <laughs> hang a picture. <laughs> and have your... Uh, Drywall repair behind yeah, the picture, yeah. even if it has to be a big picture. <laughs> that is uh, that that that's a unique idea. Sure, I feel like as far as this one goes, I feel like drywall repair is a is a project worth tackling for a weekend warrior. Yeah, um, you know you can Google Google it, uh, watch a YouTube video or two or four. Uh, it, the 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 materials that you need to do the repair are not expensive and it's not a it's not a dangerous game i think you can you can do it and and be proud of yourself after you know maybe after a few times sure <laughs> but uh, as far as my first uh diy repair i'm going to say uh sheetrock repair to a certain degree is definitely a weekend warrior project yeah I would agree with you. How about um, how about you? What what what's your first one? One one that you you think should should be tackled or not be tackled? Well, you know, I kind of have a list, and you know, doing projects around the house. I mean, we we have a list of several things, right? We're going to talk about today some projects I feel like anybody should do. Anybody should be able to do these. Um, they they might even be fun. Uh, so we're going to talk about those. But if you're asking me what a, is like one project that anybody could or should tackle, uh, I think it's painting. 
Oh yeah, of course. Painting. That's uh that was a that was an easy one. Yeah. You grabbed uh, you grabbed a pretty easy one. Going to the paint store. I mean, probably the hardest part is picking out a color. Uh that's the single hardest part of any painting project, but you know, if you've got the right tools, you know, the and they're not very expensive tools, you know, you can buy a $20 paintbrush, you know, a roller set with an extension handle, you know, some paint trays, some drop cloths. That's really all you need. <laughs> to take the time and just work through it. I'd really like to get your opinion about something a step further in the paint area. Uh, and I'm actually, I want to spend a little bit of time on it, and we got to take a quick break. So when we come back, we're going to take a step further in the paint, see if Corey thinks you should tackle it as a weekend warrior. Right. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about projects around the house that you can tackle, that you can do. You can just take the time, figure it out, listen to our show, and uh, get some materials and go to town. Well, so the before first, the break, I was yeah. saying that anybody should tackle a painting project. Right. I feel like that's uh, that's like the, the, the first thing anybody does when they get... Uh, their own house, their very first house. They get in there and they paint everything. Well, let's take that. Let's take that one step further. What about painting designs on the wall? And when I say that, I'm talking about like palm trees. Well, not not necessarily graphics. Maybe more like chevrons or diamonds or checkerboard. Uh, maybe some swirlies. Swirlies. <laughs> I see one really cool swirly one. I've seen lots of. Uh, there's lots of ideas of how to add some design to your interior walls in your home. And it really just comes down to how creative you are and how uh, you know how far on the wild side you live. Yeah, a lot of people are very conservative and don't want to see uh, that kind of thing in the interior, but paint is easily changed, easily replaced. true. And uh, it is definitely a, an opportunity to go do some, Pretty creative things. This person painted a tree, what looks like a Japanese maple, hmm. on the wall in their main room, which I think looks absolutely amazing. Well, that does look amazing. But here's the thing. Have you ever seen that show on TV where it's something fail? I can't remember the name of the show, but it's, all it is about is they see things online, and then they attempt it. And fail miserably. Oh, no, no, I have not seen that, but that yeah. sounds like a great show. I feel like that right there would be me epic failing. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty creative. It looks really cool. And artistic, but I don't... Yeah. I feel like if I attempted something like that, it would look ridiculous. Well, are you going to put some parameters on uh, on painting designs on the interior walls, or is it pretty much a free-for-all? Well, what are we talking about? I mean, there are projects that I have done personally. You and I have both done these projects where we've painted a portion of the wall, we've laid down some tape, 
and painted patterns that way. Yeah, I mean, something that maybe could that re- be considered what you're talking. Yeah, about? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Something that maybe resembles uh, wainscoting, or something that resembles some sort of um, geometric, a repeating geometric shape on the wall, or something like that. That's um, here's my advice: if you are attempting something like that. Bold, solid, uh, thick, heavy colors, maybe not the best way to make that turn out. Here's a really good way to do that. Paint on the wall one sheen. Let's say it's um, satin or or flat or gloss, or maybe it's Martin. Maybe it's Martin sheen. Whatever sheen uh, you choose. Charlie. Charlie sheen. Whatever sheen you choose, then do your geometric shape or your second coat with just a different sheen. Now you have the same color. It's very understated and very cool. You see it, but it's not slapping you in the face. Yeah. You know, so you're able to put some texture and some really cool look on the wall without, uh, you know, making it so big and so loud. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, in our first house, we had our, our first child. Uh, we did some painting like that in our daughter's bedroom. And I see that a lot, actually. Uh, people people go in and do uh, murals, or they'll do you know multicolored walls, or they'll do like a you know a statement wall, and they'll do something cool. And that's actually a pretty good uh, room for it. You know, your your maybe your kids baby, room. your toddler, your kids' room. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> that's a great room to get artistic. Or maybe in. your office, or your man cave, or your she shed, or whatever. Those are probably some pretty good places to go and try. Those things. I, I I wouldn't probably jump in and do that in my living room. Or the kitchen. For my first yeah. go at it. But uh, <laughs> I've seen some pretty cool pretty cool things. Like you said, Chevron. Yeah. Geometric shapes where they use tape and, you know, tape off areas with, you know, big pieces of tape and paint and paint and paint and paint and peel and peel. And next thing you know, it looks pretty darn cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't feel that uh, paint, interior paint in, on the walls in a house really deter from the resale value of a home. I think everybody pretty much assumes they're putting fresh paint on the wall. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I mean, however, there are some people that don't have that vision. They might walk in and see every room in a house painted a different know, color, chartreuse or whatever, <laughs> and go, ugh, and leave. Yeah, well, I guess. But, I mean, for the most, I think you're right for the most part. Well, I'll tell you what, here's a, here's a repair, Corey, that I need to know whether or not you would tackle in your own home, and that is a toilet replacement. I have replaced a toilet, yes. Just once or multiple times? A uh, mm, couple, couple times. Did you I've have, was it a successful, uh, was it a successful, successful project? I feel like it was, yes. Um, I've, I learned things along the way. Uh, but that's one of those things that, if done incorrectly, you know, like on a second story, I've seen situations where people have done something wrong or whatever in that isn't the, hooked up right. The or toilet didn't, didn't seat properly right, on the... You didn't use the right wax ring. On the wax ring, yeah. Or I've seen them where, you know, the old um, flange, maybe they didn't get it on their right, or the closet bolts situated properly, or they've tightened it down too much and it cracked. Oh. Um, I was talking to a plumber buddy, the guy that came over and did my bathroom, he plumbed everything, and I sat there and talked to him about it, and he said that's his number one uh, repair, 
where people will install their own toilets and then tighten the bolts down too much and crack the flange or the porcelain on their toilet. Yikes. And could you imagine? I mean, toilets aren't cheap. No. A couple no. hundred dollars, two, three hundred dollars if you get a really good one. But uh, crack that sucker and then you got to just throw it away. Yeah. I mean, there's really no repairing a cracked toilet. I guess you could super glue it or I don't know. Yeah, it seems so weird. I mean, it's so thick and really heavy duty. You know, I would think that uh, it would, I would think something else would break first. Uh, well. You know, the plastic, maybe the plastic flange that actually is, you know, on the floor, but. Well, but if you're using, you know, a ratchet or. Oh, to put the, a, a, the bolts yeah, down. Or a drill or something, you know, an impact wrench or something to put it down on the thing. But I mean, I helped. When he came over and set my toilet, I helped. And when I was tightening it, I was going to town, just tightening and tightening and tightening. He's like, stop, stop, stop. That's enough. I was like, oh, I didn't think that it was enough. But and he said, oh, no, that's all you You were need. using a tool or you were using your fingers? Yeah, just a wrench. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just using a. Well, that's a really wrench. good piece of advice for somebody who's replacing a toilet. I've replaced two toilets and I didn't have any problems with either sure, of them. Yeah. But um, my piece of advice would be this. If you take your old toilet off, for whatever reason it is that you're replacing it, take your old toilet off and the wax ring looks fine, you might be tempted to leave it or you might be tempted to just add another wax ring right on top. I've heard contractors say, oh, just throw another ring ring right on top of that. It'll be fine. Um, not me. Nope. I will remove the old wax ring, clean it up nice and good, uh, put a new fresh wax ring down there before I put the toilet down and be careful not to over tighten yeah. the closet bolts. Here's the thing. A wax ring is like $4. Oh, it's $1.99. Yeah. Well, depending on which one you get. If you get one with brass closet bolts, you're going to pay three, four, sure. five dollars even. You know, and they make them different heights, too. I didn't know this. Mm -hmm. You go to the store and you buy a wax ring, and there's like 20 different ones, you know, and they're all, you know, varying heights. Um, some of them have rubber. Some of them have uh, stainless steel flanges. Some of them have the closet bolts already in there. Some of them come with steel closet bolts, brass closet bolts. I am told by my industry professional that the brass closet bolts are the best. <laughs> and then to get the longer ones, and then you can cut them off at the length that you need after the toilet is installed. Interesting, very interesting. So that's what I. Do. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a. I think that's a project that can be handled at home. It should be careful and uh, take it slow. Yeah. And um, you know, I get think, some advice. I think some people might ahead. be afraid of pulling the old one off. I'll give you a trick for that too. Yeah. Okay. We got to take another quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tony and Corey. Your Weekend Warriors. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Hey, if you haven't already... Go check out our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. Uh, we are at WW Home Show. You can go to youtube.com forward slash WW Home Show, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if, or if you want to just go to our website, you can go to par.com. That's P A R R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, 
and that'll take you over to our webpage. It's got all of our uh, contact information. Our email address is uh, weekendwarriors at par.com. So we'd love to hear from you. We do get a lot of emails from our listeners, and we love getting those uh, with comments or questions. A lot of comments. I don't get too many questions. I think most people listen to us and they go, man, that guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I am going to email him right now. There's not many people saying that. Uh, if you if you, uh, if you you want to catch our show, another show, uh, you can get us on our podcast. We're podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and of course, Spotify. Um, all of those popular places where you can find our show if you want to just listen to it over. And, and over and, and over. over. <laughs> I mean, there is several years on there. I oh, mean, yeah. It goes lots of shows. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, Tony and I have been in the uh, industry, been working for Par Lumber for Tony over 30 years. Can you believe that? 30 years. I'm uh, I'm working my way on the, on the oh, just over 16 years. So, uh, be the 20 in no time. Yeah, it's crazy. So, anyway, we've been working for Par Lumber. We've been in the industry. We kind of... We're not professional contractors. We're professional weekend warriors. Right. That's right. We talk about things that we do around our house. So uh, we, we're glad you're tuning in today and listening. So if you ever have any questions or comments based on that, please let us know. Don't treat us like we're professional contractors because we're not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We did get a comment on our YouTube channel where uh, we did a carpet install at my house. Yeah. And we did the stairs. And it's on there, and people are like, oh, man. It, it turned To us, it was very hard. It was a very difficult project. Uh, but we used this carpet called Arrow Carpet. Uh, that's, a, that's a DIY project uh, or product right there. It's called Arrow by Mohawk. And you don't use tack strip. You don't stretch. You don't do anything. It comes with this double sticky tape. You just put the tape around the perimeter, and it's not like that old... You know, tape where you stick it down and it just peels right back off. I mean, this stuff sticks. And it's very different. It's a DIY carpet. Yeah, it's very different because the carpet, the way we know it, has to be stretched because of the way it's manufactured. It's manufactured under under stress. And so it has to be stretched out in order to perform. This is not, this is like a rug. Yeah. This is a relaxed. Uh, carpet that lays down with the pad already attached. Yep, the pad is already attached. All you got to do is stick it to the floor, and uh, it's very nice. I mean, you've got it in your house up the stairs and in the in the uh, mezzanine in your home, and it's uh, it is very very nice. We learned some things there because you have to learn how. Like it was a bigger area, so we had to learn how to seam it. It's it doesn't seam together like normal carpet. You don't use one of those hot irons and the specially. You know, the sticky glue stuff. You don't use any of that. Um, it, you just put the tape down, but you have to have straight seams. But that was it. We learned a couple tricks, and we did our whole upstairs and stairs with this carpet. It turned out great. Yeah, it really did. But as I suspected, there was a commenter on that video. Oh, really? Yeah. He said, like, basically said how ridiculous we were because we started at the top and worked down. He said, most carpet installers work from the bottom up. I was like, well, now you tell me. You sure? Where was that advice yeah. before we did that project? <laughs> we just, we guessed, yeah. and it worked. Turned out really well, but uh, I, he had a point, and I get it now. But anyway. Interesting. Uh, before the break, we were talking about toilet. Taking your old toilet out, replacing that. You feel like it's a pretty easy DIY project. I do. Um, here's a tip. 
if you're taking out your old toilet and you're worried about carrying that thing through the house, you know, because you're never going to get all the water. Yeah, out. what's going to drip out of that? You don't want right. that stuff in your carpet. Right. So get yourself a big husky bag, a four mil or a six mil husky bag. Set that down, pick the toilet up, and put it inside of that husky bag. It could not be easier. The one thing you do want to do before you do anything is flush the toilet. Flush all the water as you can out of the toilet. Sure. Turn off the water, disconnect everything. And if you really, really want that thing dry, you can get yourself a wet and dry shop back and just get as much more water out as you can out of it. Yuck. But uh, if you just throw it into a husky bag... Tie it up. I, right I, okay, I changed my mind. That is, that's not a project that I want to take on again. <laughs> I'm, I'm remembering how much I didn't like dealing with it at all. Well, I mean, most toilets, they're not, that stuff goes down. It's not hanging out in there. Yeah. I guess unless it's something else that's going on. We had to move the toilets when we put the hardwood floor down in my house. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, That so that was. Here's, speaking of hardwood floor, here is a project I don't tackle on my own. Refinishing your hardwood floor refinishing a sand in place hardwood floor that i would not do that i, I would not I, do that so let me take that back i have done that what i not not refinish so when we bought our first house it was a little you know 1960s little house single story 1200 square foot little you know starter home yeah and the whole house had this number 3 uh, two and a quarter oak in it and it was beautiful it was red oak i mean but it was all stained with black and you know it had like you could see the carpet tack strips around the perimeter oh, yeah it gave yeah. it a lot of character sure honestly we were we liked it uh but the people that bought the we bought the house from so they stopped and then there was carpet in the living room area but the carpet was gross like it they had maybe had a pet or something and just didn't do anything with it so we're, we thought, well, we'll replace that carpet until we go in and put hardwood floors in. I'm going to continue on the floor, and then I'll do that myself. But for now, we'll just put carpet in there. So we went and bought a remnant, and it was a small room, so we did it ourselves. When we pulled that up, I was thinking that, well, maybe there's a chance that there's actual hardwood under this. Oh, no, there wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was particle board. Well, it was, yeah, it was a uh, laminate... Um, linoleum on top of particle board on top of the car decking oh man so we put the carpet down and then a couple years later we pulled the carpet back out and then i started that project i went out and bought you know like 200 square feet of number three oak to match it was the same two and a quarter number three which the your typical house isn't going to have number three in it it would have number one or really nice sure sand in place floors this was just to match um but i put it in there and yeah nailed it in got it all done and i had to sand and finish it to match the old floor and i did all that myself wow and it was difficult it took forever because you got to sand it and then you got to sand it and then you got to sand the edges and then you got to make it all you know clean you gotta vacuum it you gotta vacuum it and then clean and then you gotta wipe the whole thing down and then you gotta put a coat on there wait a day put another coat on there wait a day put another coat it took like we had to move out of the house for a week yeah i can't imagine you couldn't stay there because of the smell 
from the stuff. Yeah. So getting your getting your floors refinished is expensive. Um, if you were going to do it yourself, just be prepared. I think you could do it, but just be prepared for the amount of time and effort it takes to do it. And money. Well, it, yeah, it didn't cost me that much. I rented the equipment, but to pay somebody, I would have paid probably 10 times what I paid. Wow. Yeah. So yes, it was worth it, but would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> well, you know, you're playing with a different deck too. If you're standing in, uh, if you're standing in a house that was built in 2020 versus, or in 2010 or in 2000 versus a house that was built in 1960, right? Right. You're dealing with two different situations, and uh, your liability is different uh, in those situations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I won't do it, as far as I can say. Well, we got to take another quick break. When we come back, another one of those repairs around the house, you can do. You're listening to Tony Core, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about projects around the house that anybody can do. And some you probably should. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good mix so far of yeah. uh, ones you do and ones you don't. Like, here's a simple little project I feel like anybody can do. You're just saying that because you know I did it and I was so proud yes, of myself. A little coffee bar, a coffee station. Yeah. If you've got uh, in your uh, kitchen or you keep your coffee, like Tony, you, your kitchen was kind of a, it was kind of weirdly shaped. Yeah, it had a peninsula it that kind of, pen- yeah. It kind of separated the kitchen from the dining room area, which made your kitchen really small. Yeah, closed it off and made and it And your tiny. dining room really small. Right, yep, that's right. So you changed all that around, but before that, you had your coffee kind of around the corner because you couldn't fit it in your kitchen. That's right. I had a little end wall. Right. It was a perfect spot, had an outlet on it. Uh, it was a perfect spot for me to build a little coffee table. And that's funny that I said coffee table. Coffee station. A coffee station. Coffee bar. Uh, Yeah, and I had my coffee right there and my cups and and all the stuff, all of the fixings, everything was right there. It was a super cute thing. I was super proud of it. And you did it, you kind of did it uniquely. You, didn't you use cabinets? I bought, uh, I bought one cabinet uh, and then I framed around it with uh, legs on the two sides to make the, top of the coffee station be at counter height so it would be you know a workable type of situation put the cabinet built the sides on the cabinet put a top across the legs on the sides and um, and then you know trimmed around the top and painted the whole thing black and uh it turned out really good yeah, yeah it looks really cool very inexpensive cost me about 50 dollars. honestly yeah. that's one of those projects anybody can do uh here's another one and we were since we were talking about flooring, refinishing flooring, uh, this is a project that both Tony and I have done, and I feel like anybody could do it. Uh, it's not the easiest project, but it's uh, installing pre-finished hardwood floors or 
uh, SnapClick or LVT. I mean, these are these are products that are readily available that you don't have to finish. Right. You just put them in. Pre-finished. Pre-finished. And pre-finished bamboo, for example. Yep. You we did that in your house. Uh, we learned a lot on that project. Um, I installed the, all of them in my house, and the the amount of money that I saved was astronomical. I mean, like I got quotes for twenty grand, and I did I think my entire house for six. Yeah. You know myself, I actually went out and bought a nail gun and the things that I would need because I could. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I rented mine, but yeah, it still worked out good. I mean, still did it super cheap. Totally. Um, so, but th- some of the things I think that we learned along the way that would make your life easier. What do you think one of them was, Tony? Make sure you have the right tools. Well, sure. Sure. Don't um, skimp out on those. Yeah. Here's another really good tip. And they usually tell you this where you buy your flooring, but Plan to have the flooring inside the house acclimating for some days before. Right. The, uh, the determined amount set forth by the manufacturer of that product that you're installing. Right. No matter what it is. Right. I mean, they all have it. They all say it. It sounds, Two days it are- sounds weird that it needs to acclimate to your house, but the fact is it does. It's been sitting in a warehouse somewhere and the the uh, humidity level in that place is whatever it is. Well, I guarantee you, it's different than what's in your house. Right. The when temperature. you get that to your house, you need it to expand or contract or do whatever it's going to do to become comfortable in your home, what your humidity is before you install it. You don't want it changing after it's on the floor. Uh, that's that's a, just asking for trouble. Here's another one. If there is any variation at all to the color of the flooring that you're putting down, open the p- containers and get a feel. I'll tell you what, we had some some variation in the flooring that I put down in my house. It was not a lot. It was only a little. But I didn't recognize when I had, was putting down multiples of a lighter color in one area right and then had darker colors all around and they ended up being sort of uh obvious right i didn't get them separated out so you want to pull flooring from multiple boxes when you're putting it down don't just go box 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 pull flooring from multiple boxes so you're getting a very good variation of the colors that you're using, unless you know for a fact that all the colors, you, that all of the flooring is is one exact same color, not gonna happen. But uh, <laughs> if it's not, you should pull from multiple boxes. That's a, that's a good way to ensure that you get a good mix. Yeah, that's a pro tip. If you're doing like I did, hardwood floor or or engineered hardwood floors in my house, pre finished, and one of the things that I learned, like just like Tony said, is the color variation, but also the length structures. You know, you, you'd be tempted to, you know, put long lengths, all the long lengths in first, yeah. you know, to get you as far as possible. And then you're stuck with a bunch of shorts. Yeah, that's going to make you mad. The flooring that I had came from, you know, eight inches to six feet in all everywhere in between. So what I did was I sorted them all out by length, and then we kind of mixed in the colors throughout. So I would find a good spot to use a short one, you know, throughout the whole house. So it didn't look like I had a whole area or I had these really, really short ones. 
and I used a lot of those in the closet. Yeah, I did that too. So I did have a lot of shorts that I ended up plugging into the closet. Yeah, but, uh, that you know that that's okay. That worked out okay. Sometimes you got to leave the shorts and use the pants. Yep. <laughs> um, another quick tip that I learned is um, to if you have to face nail, sometimes you do. You get to a, a side, even if you have the special gun that nails at an angle on the, the tongue. If you have to face nail something, um, they make color matched like filler, wood filler that you can fill in there. Make make sure you use that stuff and it they will disappear, totally disappear. Um, and another one is around your doors. There is trim. And the best way to put any sort of wood flooring around trim is to A, remove it. Either A, remove it and put in new. Like on the base floor, base trim, you can do one of two things. You can put it as close as possible. And a lot of times they'll tell you to leave um, a specified amount of space, like a quarter of an inch or three-eighths of an inch for expansion and contraction. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of people do is put quarter round or base shoe. Quarter round is exactly that. It's a quarter. Base shoe. Quarter of a round. Yeah. Base shoe is taller than it is thick. So most of the time, base shoe is a half inch by three quarter. So if you've got a, like a quarter of an inch gap that you have to put in, it should cover it. Um, but you just want to keep that in mind. But if you're going through a door in that door jam, so you have a jam leg on either side of the door that goes all the way down to the floor. Well, if your flooring won't go under that jam leg, the best thing to do is to get a scrap piece of flooring as a height gauge, go over to that section, put that up next to the jam leg, and then use a like a flat, flexible saw. Multi-tool. Multi-tool is the best way, but not everybody owns one. Yeah, well, go get one because you know what? They're not that expensive, and they're amazing. They are amazing. Multi-tool is, is rapidly becoming, if it hasn't already, uh, uh, an essential tool for a weekend warrior. Yeah, Makita makes a battery one that's awesome. I own it. I know too. It is awesome. But if you like, if you don't can't afford the hundred two hundred dollars for the multi tool for this one project, you can buy a Japanese pole saw is what they're called, and they're really flexible. Uh, Vaughn makes one. It's I can't remember the name of it. It's like a little thin. It's usually got blades. On both sides of bear, it. Bear something. Bear. Yeah, bear saw, maybe. But it's flat, totally flat, and you can, it saws both directions, push and pull. Right. And what you do is you put it in there, you flex that blade in there so it's flat, and then cut that jam leg off. So then your flooring goes underneath the jam leg, and boom, it yep. looks good. If you try and cut out around it. It's not going to look good. It's going to look terrible. Yeah. Because there's no way to fill that that gap. You know, so you're better off cutting away the the uh, the everything else and sliding the floor under it. Yeah, that's exactly what we did, uh, and that was a great solution. And so, yeah, that's a good tip, Corey. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, here's another little repair that you certainly should tackle, and Corey and I have done it countless times. If you have a clog in your disposal, or it's just not coming on or not working. You can certainly clear a clog or repair or replace your, your disposal unit. 
Uh, there's, there's, there's some very simple steps in getting that done, and you definitely should tackle it. we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for sticking around with us today. We're talking about projects that anyone should be doing around their house, and some you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) There are projects that are best left to the professionals. We talked about that a little bit. Um, You know, electrical oftentimes is one of those. Plumbing sometimes is one of those. Uh, roofing, <laughs> for example. Uh, so, but we're we're talking about um, all types of projects that you will come across as a homeowner, and um, and kind of just getting a feel for whether or not it's something Corey and I have tackled, or is it something we would if we came up on it. Here is a super simple, quick, fast, and easy. If you have cabinet doors in your kitchen, when you close the cabinet, it clanks, pink, and makes a loud noise. You know, you can run down to the to the hardware store, pick up some of those little sticky tabs, and put those sticky tabs in the corners of those doors. And it's a super simple um, thing to do. While you're there, pick up some larger ones and put them on the bottoms of your dining room chairs. Yeah, dining room chairs, those felt cabinet, pads. Yep, felt pads, cabinet doors, cabinet drawers. Well, I'll tell you what. If you have older cabinet doors and you don't have soft close hinges <laughs> you know i mean honestly yeah. you can add they're becoming very common you can add soft they make soft close hinge add-ons that you can just buy the uh the little thing and it you know goes on to the frame oh really they make them like depending on the hinges that you have like blum or bloom i'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that but blum b-l-u-m um they're a very popular cabinet manufacturer of you know hinges and soft close hinges and things like that but uh, if you have those sometimes you can just buy the add-on thing that clicks into those and boom soft close yeah Uh, but if you don't they do make like a third party um soft close closer it's like a little cylinder that screws onto the cabinet and when you open it, it releases. And then when you close it, it soft close it. I do love soft close cabinets, uh, soft close doors and drawers on my cabinets. They're fantastic. It is, uh, it is very nice, especially when you have kids. Especially when you have kids. Yes, they love to slam doors, don't they? They do. <laughs> um, here's one that I think is a cool project that I feel like anybody can do: create a custom mirror. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's super easy. Get a little, you get a, a stick of wood or two sticks of wood. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, like the rage a while ago was barn wood. You know, you get some old, you know, pallet wood or barn wood and you make a frame and go get a piece of mirror. You can either, you could probably go to the Habitat for Humanity restore and get a piece of mirror. Or uh, if you really have a custom size and you want to come up with something custom, 
there are shops around town. I know I have one five minutes from my house that does custom glass, mirrors, anything you want. You take your dimensions in there. They cut it exact, exactly what you're looking for. And then you put it up, paint it, stain it, whatever you want to do. That's a really good idea. You get to choose the size that you want it to be. I know that uh, I know that I went shopping for a mirror here uh, a couple of years ago, and I had a specific size mirror that I was looking for. Finding the mirror that's the size that you want, yeah, uh, is not a is not a really good possibility. You're just going to come across it. Yeah, I had uh, in our bathroom remodel project. I put up a sliding door inside of my closet. It was like a, it's like a barn door, but it's not a barn door. It's got, but it's got a track, the sliding track. And I went and got a, a one panel door and I went and got a custom mirror cut and taped it inside of that cutout. So when the door's closed, you can't see the mirror, but if you want to see one, you just grab it and close that door and the mirror's on there. Do you ever find yourself, do you have cabinet knobs on your cabinet doors and drawers? course yes what do you ever find yourself tightening a loose cabinet doorknob all the time <laughs> which is weird same for happens. me i don't know how they get so loose so fast but i i feel like i'm always tightening the knobs here's a tip thread lock oh yeah get a little bottle of thread lock from the hardware store put it on that cabinet door and you know what you've tightened it for the last time yeah they call that uh tight sure tight tight lot lock tight lock tight there are two different types of Loctite. Did you know this, Tony? No. I mean, I might have. There is red and blue. Okay. And red Loctite is like almost unbreakable. You never want to use red Loctite on something that you intend on taking in and out or on and off. You want to use the blue. It's, you know, low to medium strength. And then high strength. And now that I Google it, there are actually several colors of Loctite. Oh, yeah. I see green and, and blue and but red. But blue, blue is your lowest. Red is typically your highest. Interesting. Okay. So. All right. Something to keep in mind. Well, for a for a cabinet doorknob, you probably don't have to have the, the strongest product out probably there. Probably not. If it's just backing itself out slowly, I would not put red Loctite on it. Because, uh, Yeah. You know, I had a problem recently with my dishwasher. Um, my dishwasher, when the cycle was completely done, and I opened it up in order to put the dishes away, right? This, you know, the billow of steam comes out. Sure, yeah. And you open it up. It moisturizes and, your face. Yep. <laughs> and then I looked down in the bottom of the dishwasher, and all of the water had not drained oh. out of the bottom of the dishwasher. Uh, and I had to decide, is this something I'm going to tackle? Or am I calling an appliance repairman? Wand. What do you think I did? Uh, I think you tackled it yourself. I tackled it, baby. I jumped in there and I did. You know, I reached down in the water and I started playing with the spinny around things. And, you know, it had basically some gunk had gotten down and clogged those little drains where the water runs out. Uh, it's simple. If yesterday you ran your dishwasher and it drained fine, and today you ran your dishwasher and it didn't, it's probably clogged with something. So I got down in there and I poked around until I found the little chunks of food that had gotten lodged in the little areas where it's supposed to drain, and, and I got it cleaned out. But I can imagine that if I hadn't got it cleaned out or hadn't noticed it, 
it would have probably started to smell pretty bad. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny too, because there's dishwashers are funny. Like they, the way that you hook them up and the way that they operate, you have to do it a certain way. And if you don't do it the right way, you can get water backing up and then into the dishwasher, and then you'll get this smell. So if you get a smell coming into the dishwasher, it means one thing. If you get a smell at your sink, it means another thing. <laughs> and so we're talking about where the dishwasher is hooked up to, like, the disposal, for right, example. Right, If you have the, the tube coming out of the drain tube coming out of the dishwasher, Did you know, you know what a high loop is? Yeah. So it goes up. It's supposed to really, you're supposed to have it go all the way up and touch the cabinet top. Really? And then come back down to connect it. You might look at that and go, well, that's ridiculous. I don't know why they wouldn't just run it down straight. But there's a reason for that. Interesting. And it's for that check valve inside of there. Ah, interesting. I got to have enough water pressure to back it. Never would have known that. Are we going to take another quick break? Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tony Corey, your Weekend Warriors. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about projects that uh, you can do around your house, and maybe some you should. Yeah, you said that you had some experience with the stinky dishwasher. Yes, well, you said you had one that didn't drain. I had standing water, right? We had a stinky dishwasher, (laughs) and it was actually a reoccurring problem. What was happening is my dishwasher wasn't sitting level. So the water wouldn't drain out of it entirely. So I kept getting, it was like stinky, and then I would clean it. I would buy this stuff. You know, they make Off Fresh. I don't know if you've ever heard of Off Fresh. They make uh, little tablets that you can put in your washing machine or your dishwasher, and you run it through there, and it's supposed to cleanse the stinky, stinky smell out of there. But it kept coming back. It would only last a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks at the most. And I would, I even tried the vinegar trick where you put a couple cups of vinegar down on the bottom and run the dishwasher on hot. And then that would really help for a couple of weeks and it would come back. So one day I kind of noticed that it just looked like it was leaning when the door was closed. It didn't like against the cabinet, the top, the looked, reveal wasn't the same yeah, at the, the top, top and the bottom, looked re- you know, narrower than the bottom. And I was thinking maybe it was just the door, uh, but I took the, you know, I pulled the door down, I grabbed my level and put it on there. And sure enough, I mean, it was a good half an inch or more out of plumb or out of level. So I, you know, got the user manual out. It's a Bosch dishwasher and they make an easy way on the front where you'd have to, you know, turn these, th- you know, threaded knobs. And I was able to thread the front you know, down and the back up and, you know, to make it level. And the stink has not come back. Oh, and nice. it's been three months. Interesting. So that was kind of one of my COVID projects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I had to take care of it because it was like it would infest all of your dishes. You'd get a glass of water and then you would smell this kind of like mm. funky. Tinge. Yeah, well, it wasn't like clean. It just smelled like funky water. 
that, that is terrible because, you know, when you pull a dish out of the cupboard, you uh, you have an expectation that it's going to be sanitary and clean and and not have a smell. So right. that, that would be unsettling for sure. Yeah. Like, and it was worse too, like in our wine glasses and you'd go to pour a nice glass of wine. And then the first thing you do when you put the cup up to your mouth is you <laughs> smell this. It just didn't. It made everything taste gross. It kind of reminds me of uh, the laundry, the the washing machine. If you leave your T-shirts in the right. washing machine for too long before you get them in the dryer, they sort of get that... Uh, Musty. Yeah. Sort of uh, sour laundry smell. I call that lazy laundry smell because then you forget about it and you get lazy and you don't move it over to the dryer. <laughs> and then... It happens to me a lot. Yeah. And then you either have to dry it and then wash it again and dry it again or... You don't think about it or don't catch it right away, and you fold it, and then everything, every time you grab one out of your oh, yeah. drawer, you, know, you get that same smell again. That's I'll frustrating. Pull, I'll, immediately. As soon as I put it on, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> laundry. And then I'll, I'll go through my drawers and smell clothes. Like, Sometimes you don't notice it until the middle of the day when your body starts to heat up a little bit, you know, and it starts to waft up, and then you're stuck with it for the yeah. rest of the day. Those are, those are I've rough. learned, though, like if I've forgotten something, even if it's been in there for, you know, just for the day, you know, if I threw something in in the morning and then that afternoon, I was like, shoot, forgot them. I wash them immediately. But then what I'll do is I'll even throw like a, just the tiniest little bit of bleach in there. So then it, it's not enough to bleach my clothes. Right. It, it'll at least knock any funk color, out of there. Color safe bleach is a good way to go there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Here's another project that you can tackle on your own. Uh, if, if it's something that's necessary, replacing a deck board. I think oftentimes if we've got a wooden deck, uh, we'll have a single board that is checks or splits or um, maybe a knot falls out or something uh, about that board that is just driving you crazy and you need to get it out of there. Certainly with a few tools, you can replace your own deck board. It doesn't have to be uh, something that you hire out. What you do want to make sure, though, is that you get a board that is the exact same thickness and width as the board you're taking out. Because if you put something in there that's not exactly the same, if it doesn't have the same edges, right, you can have a quarter a quarter inch uh, radius or you can have a five-eighths inch radius or maybe you even can get a square edge board. They make deck boards sometimes with kerfs on the back or sometimes without. If you get a deck board that has a kerf on the back, which is very common in cedar deck boards, those boards will be a little bit thinner than a board without kerfs on the back. Right, right. So, if you, yeah, like you said, if you don't get a matching, then you'll either, ha either have a tall board or a short, narrow board, and it's thin, so it, it's never going to look right. Not to say you can't fix it. You know, you can always come in and maybe if you have a tall one, you can sand it down or whatever. Um, but the other thing, too... If you're going to do that is make sure after you've get it, got the new board put in, I would go through that whole deck and put some wood brightener down. Wood brighten out all of the old boards, clean them up. So that way, when you put the new one in, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Yep, that's a great tip. Here's another one. When you're putting that board down, you want to make sure that both ends of the board are landing on a joist. If it's not landing on a joist, you might need to scab on a little, a little chunk of wood onto your joist so that your deck board can reach it. And then a really good tip is pre-drill right at the ends of your deck board. That's yeah. where it wants to check and split. 
in when you drive your screw down in there. So pre-drill first before you put your screw in and then don't overdrive it. Just put it down just so that it's flush with the top of your deck board and then it will last for a long time. Yeah, the reason if you overdrive it uh, and you sink that screw down in, you're creating a divot there where water will sit. And over the years, as water sits there and it sits there and then it freezes, and then it sits there, it's expanding that wood out, causing that water to get to the center of the board and it'll rot out a lot faster. Yep, absolutely. So if you just take special care, take your time, like it's like with any project. Yep. Take your time. And if, if you cut the board and you go to put it in and you have to knock it down in with a hammer because it's tight, don't do it. Take another saw blade off of it uh, and uh, and leave a little tiny bit of a gap, just the tiniest little gap. Yeah. You don't ever want to install boards end to end tight. And that's with anything. composite that's right. Composite especially because composite boards... Uh, will expand and contract the plastic in them uh, with the with the heat and the cold. They expand and contract a lot. Uh, even wood does too. And, and if it gets to a point where it's expanded and it's tight, then it will buckle. And you definitely don't want to deal with buckling boards because then it'll it'll break screws. It'll pop screws out of there. It'll break joists. I've seen it happen. And you'll just end up replacing it again. So if you go to put it in, it's too tight. Throw that back up on your chop saw. Slide it over, put the blade down, all the way down, slide it over, push it tight up against the blade, and then lift the blade back up and right back down. Corey calls that the blade flex. The blade flex. That's right. <laughs> That's how you get just exactly a thickness of your blade. Anytime we're doing projects together and it's just too tight, we'll say, take a blade flex off yep, of that. Give me a blade flex off this board. <laughs> It's not a, it's a unit of measure. I mean, or it's not really a unit of measure. It's not like a 16th or an 8th. It's like a... Sometimes you could even have a heavy blade flex. Yep, heavy blade flex. That's uh, just the perfect amount in order to get it to fit the way it's supposed to fit. Uh, here's one, Tony. Have you ever, I mean, I talked about painting bedrooms and living rooms and things like that, but have you ever painted furniture? Um, um, well, I've painted furniture that is not something that you sit on, not a chair or a couch or... Well... I, I've, I've certainly painted a table. Like a table or a nightstand mm -hmm. or a, or a uh, dresser or something. Yeah, I have. I have not had really, really good luck um, a lot of times. What I find out is that I've chosen the wrong paint and then it gets bumped by something and scratches it and, and peels off the paint and then I end up with a big mess and I have to sand it all the way down and do it again. Yeah, well, you know, I've painted a lot of different things, furniture, cabinets, those sorts of things. And I've actually got some tips to help you have a successful project painting furniture. Well, let's hear those. As soon as we come back from this break, you're listening to Tony Corey, Your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out our Facebook and Instagram and YouTube channels, all of our social media. We've got a lot of cool stuff that we put up there on a regular basis. 
Uh, Tony and I are shooting videos all the time and putting cool videos on YouTube. So you can find us at WW Home Show. Uh, or you can go to par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, and that'll take you over to our page uh, where it's got all of our information. Uh, if you want to email us any questions or comments, feel free to do so. It's weekendwarriors at par.com. So uh, Tony and I today are talking about projects that you can do around your house uh, and maybe some that you shouldn't. Uh, before the break, we were talking about painting furniture. And I've painted... I've painted quite a few pieces of furniture in my days, and I used to be terrible at it. I would, same as you, I'd put something on there and it would peel off or just wouldn't, it would bubble or just wouldn't look good. So you spent all this time and effort, you know, sanding and cleaning it up and then putting that coat of paint on there and it looks terrible. So uh, there is something called chalk paint. Chalk paint is kind of like, this these Flat, weird yeah kinda. it's like this weird ingredients that you put in and it really sticks to uh, previously you know finished surfaces that's a really good method to do it you know I've also heard of milk paint milk paint's kind of another one uh, but if you really want to make it look good uh, one what you need to do is sand down everything and then make sure all of that dust. Um, all of that, whatever is on there, grease, anything like that. Paint won't stick to that stuff. So if it's on there, it's, if it's contaminated with, you know, oils or greases, you know, from the tracks on the drawers or whatever. Um, when you paint it, yeah, you're going to see it. Uh, and the same goes for um, imperfections in the wood. So, so if you have a, a, a dresser that you're painting and you want the top to be really, really nice and smooth. Um, what you can do is sand it down. And if you have any really bad imperfections, you can fill them with wood because you're going to be painting it over top of that. So you're not really going to know the difference. And that, that's another tip to help you make it look really good. Um, another one is after you get it fully cleaned, prime it. Prime it with a good wood primer. That will help the paint that you put on it ultimately stick really well. And then... Um, I like to use an enamel, in a, a latex enamel paint. And the differences with enamel versus acrylic. So acrylic dries really, really fast. So whatever you put it on, it's, it's designed to dry really quickly. Well, you don't really want that for furniture because as you're rolling it or painting it on, you want it to have a really smooth surface. Well, so if you're using you know, either a foam brush or, or a foam roller or whatever you're using, it dries so fast, you'll be able to see the the brush marks or the roller marks. They'll, they'll dry right into it. Mm. So use an enamel, a, a latex enamel, if you want. And then also another tip is to put in a product called Floetrol. Floetrol... Um, slows paint dry, ta uh, dry time. It'll thin it and dry, uh, slow its drying time way down. So it'll allow the paint to do what's called laying flat. It'll lay it out flat. And then uh, when it's all said and done, it'll look just really, really smooth. Um, and what I like to do even is after I put a coat of paint on it, I'll even come back with like four aught steel wool or some really fine, you know, sandpaper and I'll I'll lightly sand the whole thing and then clean that up and then put another coat of paint on top of that. And I like to spray it 
but not everybody has a sprayer. So you can use, you know, foam rollers or brushes even. Just make sure that you're putting that flow trawl in there and it'll lay really, really nice and flat. It'll look good. You did a really good job on the cabinets that you put into your bathroom when you remodeled your bathroom. I thought that uh, the paint job you did put on those cabinets turned out really, really good. I mean, it was professional. Yeah, I sprayed them and uh, I used an enamel a cabinet. Sometimes, depending on where you buy your paint, they'll sell cabinet paint, which a lot of times is enamel paint. Um, but just tell them when you go in there, say, I want a slow drying enamel for cabinets. And most paint manufacturers make something like that. Oh, that's a really good tip. I'm um, excited to dump, jump in and, and paint another piece of furniture now. It's not cheap. I'll <laughs> tell you that. The paint itself is like, you'll probably spend 45, 50 bucks on a gallon. Here's something that seems to sideline me and drives me crazy. Whenever I'm working on a project and I come across a stripped screw or I strip a screw while I'm trying to put it together, oftentimes a project like um, like a gate, for example. I bought a gate kit and I was building a gate and it comes with the screws and you just have enough screws to do the project and then you're but of course, you didn't get to choose the screws. So instead of having a Torx bit uh, or a Torx head type screw, you've got a Phillips or something like that. And Phillips bits for me just invariably is going to be a stripped screw, one or two or however it is. And strip screws drive me absolutely crazy. I'm tempted always to just leave it and move on. <laughs> but if I go back and I have to take it out because of something I've done wrong, um, I find myself saying, what am I going to do? I know they make some sort of a tool that can extract a stripped screw, but I've never actually owned one. Have you bought or used um, a tool like that? Yeah, that's exactly what it's called is a screw extractor. It's a, it, they make it to where it, it drills like a little hole on the one side of the screw where the uh, where the business end is. And then what it does is it creates like a little divot in there. And then um, you flip it over, you flip the bit over, and it has like a reverse thread on it. And what that does is when you when you screw it in tight to the screw to reverse it, it grabs and makes it even tighter. Does that make sense? Yeah. How do you get the screw off of the extraction bit after you get it out? Oh, it's not, it's not on there that tight. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you would pull it out. It's just enough to keep it to keep it on there. Well, that sounds to me like an essential tool for a weekend warrior. Uh, a set of extraction bits, uh, probably not terribly expensive, but certainly something yeah. I need to have in my. Yeah, that's a that's toolbox. a very good idea actually. To screw, I used to have a set and I don't anymore, and I'm kind of bummed about that. So uh, maybe if you're Paying attention. <laughs> Next time I need a gift. Sounds like a good gift for a weekend warrior. <laughs> yes, sir. So what are, what are some other projects, Tony? You, do you have anything that you would shy away from? What are some what are some big projects that you yourself have said, I'm not doing that? Well, you know, um, I don't know about a big project. Here's a small project that is another one that scares me. Whenever I have gone in and painted something that is um, that is wood and glass together, an, an example would be I have a pair of French doors that go into my office space, and it, they're nine light French doors. And I had painted all the trim inside of my house to be black, and I wanted to paint that door to be black, 
And uh, when I was doing that, I got, of course, um, I got paint on the glass. Oh, yeah. I forgot and about that. I am always worried about trying to remove paint from glass. You know, I feel like you can just take a razor blade and scrape it off, but then you end up scratching the glass and then it just makes you mad. Is there a is there a better way for removing paint from glass than than using a, a scraper, or am I just not using the right scraper? Hmm. You know, I don't know. That is actually a very good uh, question. I think if it's just plate glass, a razor blade is probably okay. Uh, you would definitely want to be careful. Uh, but I might even maybe throw some. Maybe some Windex on there or something, and and use that to scrape with a little bit of lubricate the lubrication, yeah, the blade, so it doesn't probably. But definitely, if it's like a window, you never want to do it on a window, especially if it has a coating, like a low E coating, right? Um, You will absolutely scratch that coating, and it will look terrible. I've seen it. Here's one that everybody's gonna have to do at some point in time or another. And I guarantee you it's something you can do at your own home. We'll cover that as soon as we get back. You'll listen to Tony Core, Your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show for our final segment in this amazing show today. Uh, We're talking about projects that you can do around your house that almost anybody can do, and then some you shouldn't. Uh, But Tony, you had something right before the break that you were kind of talking about. What what was that? Well, I'll tell you what. I I got into the shower um, here a couple of months ago. And, uh, and I noticed that the shower head that I have had up there for years and years, which I absolutely love, it's a great shower head, is not giving me as much uh, output as I'm used to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided at that time, a few months ago, I'm going to have to do something about that. So I started to do a little bit of research, and, and I saw that you can take the shower head off and soak it in vinegar, water, or... Um, something that would decalcify yeah. and and sort of clean it out and, and cause it to work a little bit better. But then, you know, I didn't do anything about it. And then I'm back in the shower again. And now I'm noticing that it's starting to divert <laughs> some of the streams different directions. So I've got some that are, you know, going to the left and some that are going to the right. And uh, I find myself reaching up and and turning it so that the the wayward streams of water are spraying somewhere that's not out into the middle of the uh, <laughs> of the bathroom. Um, but I what I hadn't considered was just you know replacing it, taking it off, and going and buying a new one. What what do you think if you've got a shower head that's years old that you really love? Do you just bite the bullet and go out and buy a new one, or or do you think that trying to soak it in something that will decalcify and make it work? Properly again is a better way to go. Um, decalcifying a shower head is super, super easy and very inexpensive. <laughs> I would definitely try and do that. If you like the shower head and it's a nice quality, there's no reason to just get rid of it unless it's broke is or there, cheap. Is there anything uh is there anything about that process that I want to remember? I mean, certainly I'm gonna take it off. Careful not to ding up the threads that are on the supply line that's coming through the wall. And, uh, and also careful not to move that around. A lot of times the, 
the uh, supply uh, pipe that's coming through the wall can be kind of loose in that space and you can cause it to to ding up the sheetrock if you're not super careful with it. But apart from that, I just want to make sure that I put some uh, uh, Teflon tape on there before I put the shower head back on and then just make sure that it's not leaking. Yeah, yeah, Teflon tape. Um, there is kind of a trick to Teflon tape, though. You want to make sure that you thread it on um, the same way that you would thread it on anything, like a righty-tighty. If you thread it on the wrong way, as you're threading it on, it will unthread, you know, it'll unthread the the, the tape. <laughs> you know so, what I'm saying? So you want to apply the Teflon tape counterclockwise, and then you will be applying the, the shower head when you screw it back on clockwise. Correct. Yes. So that's a good tip, um, and, and I feel like that's something that I'm going to handle here uh, pretty soon, but it's certainly a project I think anybody could tackle if your shower head is not giving you what, you, what it has been giving you, and uh, and you want to address that. I think you can take that off and soak it in some water and vinegar to decalcify it, and, and maybe it will work better for you going forward. Certainly, yeah. I'll tell you one thing is uh, CLR. CLR is one of those products that you can buy at any hardware store or even the grocery store sells it. It's like a little square, little jug. That stuff works amazing. Put a little of that into a, like a Ziploc baggie and then pour it, pour it, put the thing in there, the shower head and pour it into the, the other end of it and kind of just fill a little bit in the, the baggie and leave that thing overnight. And when you rinse it out, it'll be crystal clear. It'll look brand new. Oh, nice. Yeah. How about recalking your bathtub? If you've got uh, caulking around your bathtub and it is got little black specks, you know, mildew, and you can't, you can no longer wipe them up and, and clean it up. It's sort of integrated itself into your caulking. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your first tip for tackling recalking the, the bathtub? The biggest one is to get rid of the old caulking. You definitely can't have any caulking left in there. If you do, then the new stuff that you put in won't stick to it. And you want to make sure that you're using the right caulking. It's easy to go in and buy, you know, oh, white. I'm just going to get this white caulking. But if you don't get the silicone bathroom caulking that, that, is, that is right for your project, um, you're going to be asking for it. You're going to be doing yourself a disservice because if you get the wrong one, it could not stick right. It could not be, you know, as weatherproof as you'd like um, or showerproof. Um, it might mildew really quickly. And those are the things that, you know, if you're replacing it, that's why you're replacing it, you know? So I would buy bathroom and shower silicone. How about the, how about the, uh, the faucet on your bathroom or kitchen sink? Have you ever had a situation where the the water coming out of the faucet in your bathroom sink seems to just be coming less and less and less? Trickle, trickle. Yeah. Or yeah. or or it does the same thing as your your shower head in in the bathroom. It's uh it starts squirting water out in weird places. So the diffuser seems to be clogged or something. That absolutely happened to me. Um, especially if you've done any work on your bathroom or any other part of your house, any sort of, uh, say you've turned the water off and turned the water back on for any sort of reason at the street. Um, sometimes what will happen is you'll jar things loose inside the system, like, you know, deposits or I mean, just whatever, you know, different things. 
and then it'll travel through the lines and get stuck at the first place that it hits. And if you go into the bathroom and turn on your faucet, there's a screen. There's typically a little screen on the underside of your faucet that you can thread out, even if you can't see it. If you get a little mirror and look up in there, sometimes you'll see, um, like, mowing. They use, like, this little weird green tool that has all these teeth on it with little Mickey Mouse ears on it. You put that in there and you thread it out. And I had the same, this exact situation. We remodeled our hall bathroom. We got everything done. And the water pressure in the sink was like miserable. I mean, and I was thinking to myself, oh man, these new water saver <laughs> yeah. things are, are terrible. And so I was going to take it out. I mean, I shouldn't say that probably. It's illegal. But uh, I was I was going to take it out and clean it. And uh, as soon as I put pulled that thing out of there, there was so much gunk piled up behind it, like like little rocks and deposits of just junk. Yeah. That as soon as I washed that off and put it back in there, it was like a unbelievable 500% difference. Interesting. So, and that might be something with your shower too. You know, if you've got, you have one of those screens in your shower, I guarantee it. Well, I noticed uh, on one of the faucets that I had that was not giving me the water that, that I was used to getting, uh, it didn't have just a little cap that you could unscrew and and find the screen there that huh. you could that you could clean out from the behind. Uh, and so I was looking for a way to clean that or to free up whatever debris was in there. And I found a little something online that said to take a half of a lemon and put it in a Ziploc bag and then press that lemon up against the faucet right and then take that plastic bag and put a rubber band around it and just leave that attached to the end of your faucet for a few hours and that acid from the lemon will break up any hard water buildup or whatever calcium Hmm. that you've got up on there and can cause it to work that way i haven't actually tried that but it sure did look like uh um uh, looked like something that could work well and that's the thing is like if something all of a sudden isn't performing the way that you think it should there's probably a reason and I doubt that it's you know your water pressure has dipped you know in right. your in your house I kind of doubt that here's another one that you can definitely do Corey and I talk about this all the time we've done it recently uh, in our own homes if your gutter is pulling away from the truss tails uh, uh, up on your eaves and uh, and the the gutter spikes that are holding it on are just not holding on tight. You can replace those gutter spikes with gutter screws and just pull those gutter spikes out, pull the ferrule out, get a gutter screw. You can get them at Tapar Lumber Company and uh, you screw that screw right through where the gutter spike was before into the truss tail and that baby will hold on there tight for probably forever. Yeah, that's something anybody can do unless your you know, gutters are super, super high or you're, you know, you're just not safe getting up there and doing it yourself. But the gutter screws tend to be a little bit longer than gutter spikes. So make sure when you put it in that you're going straight at the truss tail. It does have a tendency to kind of go in at a bit of an angle. And then you end up with the back half of that screw sticking out underneath your even. It looks kind of ugly. Totally. Here's one fun one for the summer. Build yourself, if you've got a you know, piece of property, build yourself your own fire pit. That is something that is super easy to do. You can buy some landscape blocks and some fire bricks and go to town on it. And that is a fairly inexpensive project, but a very rewarding one. The last thing I'll remind everybody to do is to replace the batteries in your smoke detectors. 
It is uh, something that we forget to do, but it's definitely imperative. And that's all the time we got. We hope something we said today will help you out in your situation. And thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.